0: 1209, this is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so glad to have you with us. All right, we start off today's show like we start off every show, three big things. As I mentioned to Steve and Eric, back in 2012, Republicans had a chance to take over the U.S. Senate. They, I'm sorry, 2010, they failed because in a couple key races... The Republicans nominated the only people in the state that could not beat the incumbents. They they nominated a woman on the East Coast what was in Delaware, Rhode Island, and she was uh, her her big her big thing was I am not a witch, contrary to other statements. In Arizona, Harry Reid ran against a woman named Sharon Angle, who was a kook. And probably the only candidate who could not have beaten Harry Reid. Republicans wised up after that and started nominating mainstream conservative candidates who were able to win elections ever since the rise of President Trump. You have this sort of faction of the Republican Party led by this flamethrower named Steve Bannon, who has decided to try to launch a Republican civil war, creating essentially a purge of people who, in his mind, are not intellectually or pure enough, meaning they don't drink the Trump Kool-Aid and be willing to walk off cliffs um, after he points in that direction. So if, if you're not. 120 percent behind Donald Trump, well, then, you know, you're not sufficient to be you know, a member of the Republican Party. and You can't run for office. The problem with this is, is it is resulting in people getting nominated and running who have little or no mainstream appeal. Now, what's happened in a couple congressional races to fill in seats is because the districts have been so heavily Republican, like the candidates that run end up winning but they win by three or four points when they should have won by by 20 points in alabama which is about as republican a state as possible Jeff Sessions, now the attorney general, was the long-serving senator, Republican senator from Alabama. He steps down to take over the position of attorney general. He is replaced um, by a guy named Luther Strange, who was kind of a mainstream Republican, certainly conservative, supported by President Trump. President Trump was the one who selected him. But this this kind of whacked-out wing of the Republican Party decides that even though President Trump supported Luther Strange... He's not enough of a Trump supporter. So the Steve Bannon wing of the party, the same type of people who are supporting Kevin Nicholson in Wisconsin, they they go after Luther Strange and they support a guy named Roy Moore. Roy Moore is known as the Ten Commandments judge. Twice he was booted off the Alabama Supreme Court, once because when he got elected, he put a giant granite ten commandments monument um in the courthouse and the federal court said no that that violates that that violates the law you got to remove it he refused to so he's booted off he ran again he was elected again he got booted off because this time he refused to follow supreme court orders with regard to same-sex marriage um the fact that he was behaving in a lawless fashion and i say lawless because the, the big issue that i have With liberal judges is the fact that they refuse to follow precedent. They refuse to follow the law and they decide I'm going to do whatever the heck I want, regardless of what the law says. I want to be consistent. If I'm going to criticize liberal judges for doing that, I'm going to criticize conservative judges for doing that as well. And when the Supreme Court says, all right, you know, same sex marriage is allowed, it is it for a judge a state judge to say, I don't care what the Supreme Court says, I'm not going to follow the law, that, that's that's unacceptable. But Roy Moore became a, a hero to certain people because he, he doesn't care what the law is. He's standing up for what he thinks is the correct thing to do. Well, again, that's not the role judges have. Anyhow, Roy Moore wins the Republican nomination with the support of a guy like Steve Bannon. And immediately, this race, the, the the Senate seat, becomes in play. It is almost unthinkable that a Democrat could win in Alabama. But you know what? In this particular case, some of the polls out show that instead of winning with 65 or 70 percent of the vote, it, it's kind of a neck-and-neck neck race. And that is before what happens yesterday. I know you probably are aware of this, but let me share with you a portion of how the Um, Washington Post reports this. Lee Korfman says she was 14 years old when an older man approached her outside a courtroom in Etowah County, Alabama. She was sitting on a wooden bench with her mother, they both recall, when the man introduced himself as Roy Moore. It was early 1979, and Moore, now the Republican nominee in Alabama for U.S. Senate seat, was a 32-year-old assistant district attorney. He struck up a conversation, Korfman and her mother say, and offered to watch the girl while her mother went inside for a child custody hearing. He said, Oh, you don't want her to go in there and hear all that? I'll stay out here with you, says the mother. I thought, How nice for him to want to take care of my little girl. Alone with Korfman, Moore chatted with her and asked her for her phone number. Days later, she says, He picked her up around the corner from her home, drove her about 30 minutes to his home in the woods, told her how pretty she was, and kissed her. On a second visit, she says, He took off her shirt and pants and removed his clothes, he touched her um, and guided, etc., etc. You get the idea. I wanted it. Over over with, I want it out, she remembers thinking, please just get this over with, whatever this is, just get it over, Corfman says she asked Moore to take her home, and he did, two of Corfman's childhood friends says she told them at the time she was seeing an older man, and one says it's Corfman, aside from Corfman, three other women interviewed by the Washington Post in recent weeks say Moore pursued them than when they were between the ages of 16 and 18, and he was in his early 30s, episodes they they found flattering at the time, but troubling as they got older. None of the three women, say, more forced them into any sort of relationship or sexual contact. So you have this one woman who says, I was 14. Um, he touched me inappropriately. She acknowledges that she never went to police. She acknowledges that um, she never went public with this. This wasn't a situation where there was a lawsuit filed and there was some sort of confidential settlement or anything like that. But nevertheless, um, she says it happened. And like I say, there are other women that come forward and say that when they were 14 and 15 and 16 and Moore was practicing law in his early 30s, he asked them out on um, dates of the four women the youngest at the time was Korfman, who is the only one who says she had sexual contact with him that went beyond kissing she says they did not have intercourse in a written statement Roy Moore denies the allegations he says these allegations are completely false and are a desperate political attack by the national democrat party and the washington post on this campaign the campaign says that if the allegations were true they would have surfaced during his previous campaigns adding this garbage is the very definition of fake news all right most wisconsin republicans are saying if the claims are true more should get out there are one or two exceptions that we will talk about but here's here's where you you are now you have a, a woman who says this happened back in again 1979 so you're talking about 89 99 2009 38 years ago never come forward publicly with the story never said anything about this, never went to the police. So it's going on 40 years ago. Now, in the heat of this campaign, she comes out and makes these allegations. He completely and totally denies them, and it's thrown the race into turmoil. 414-799-1620, that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Here is my question. What should happen? Should Roy Moore, who denies this... Step down. Should the Republicans force him out? Is this a fair allegation to make against him? Do you give it any sort of credence and credit? Coming forty years, almost forty years after the fact, how do you handle something like this? And what does it mean for Republicans moving forward? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What should happen next? Should Roy Moore step aside? He vigorously denies this. This is a he said, she said. There's, I I mean, I people say he should step out of the race if the claims are true. I I don't know how. I don't think there's anything more about it. I don't think you're going to know if they're true or not. People are going to decide whether they believe him or her under the circumstances. But what should happen? 414-799-1620. I have a theory. I will share it with you, and we will discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1219. Um, I will say this. um, One way or the other, if this isn't a heck of a mess, it'll certainly do until the real mess arrives. 1219, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1221, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Unlike... Unlike celebrities, and, and now we're in the era of, of Harvey Weinstein, you have all sorts of people who are coming forward and saying, oh, this person did that to me 15, 20, 25 years ago. In in the, many of those cases, the, the person who's accused is saying, yes, I did it. Kevin Spacey is saying, yes, I, I did it. Um, In the case of Roy Moore, you get these allegations from about 40 years ago. A woman who says she was 14 years old at the time says he tried to seduce her. He touched her inappropriately. She told her mother, but nobody told anybody. And now at the heat of a political campaign, a little less than a month before this race, she comes forward. The Washington Post finds a couple other people who said, yeah, when he was in his 30s, you know, we were – Sixteen. He tried to date us, but nobody alleges sexual contact or anything like that. He says this did not happen. He says these allegations are completely false, are a desperate political attack by the National Democrat Party and the Washington Post on this campaign. He goes on to say the Obama-Clinton machine's liberal media lapdogs just launched the most vicious and nasty round of attacks against me I've ever faced. We are in the midst of a spiritual battle with those who want to silence our message. 414 799 Let's start with um, Mary in Pewaukee. Mary, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Mary.
1: This is going to be extremely difficult for me because I have never told a soul before in my life. But it's happened to me twice. And you know that many years ago, nobody talked to us about the possibility of these things happening to us. This man has no business. In any kind of office, mm-hmm. he doesn't deserve it.
0: Do you think, Mary? There's any possibility that um, now this man has run for? Uh, I mean, he's been uh, he's run for county judge. He's run for statewide office as the chief justice on the Supreme Court on on at least two occasions. He ran in a Republican primary. And these allegations never came forward. D- does the fact that, that it's it's at this time, after he's run multiple occasions, it's at this time a couple weeks before the election, does that give you any pause that, that this might not be true?
1: I don't know. Mm-hmm. Only he and God know that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think, Mary, I mean, thanks, Nicole. Obviously, obviously, if these allegations are true, this guy has no business has no business in the U.S. Senate has no business practicing law. I mean, if he's really thirty some years old and he and he's and he's grabbing you know fourteen year old girls, I, I don't care. I, I, he, the statute of limitations has long since blown, so I mean, nobody's going to be able to criminally charge him. But he has no business in the U.S. Senate, so I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I guess where the issue becomes is is the timing of this and the circumstances of this suspicious and and how do you how do you verify if he did it or not i, I guess that's that's what the question becomes because obviously if he did it now he, he shouldn't be running but you know could there be any merits to his claims that yes this is this is unfair this is untrue this is made up Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. and and what happens now beth in waukesha beth you're on 620 wtmj good afternoon
1: Mary's story reminds me of a story because it happened to women long ago. And when you're humiliated like that, the last thing you need to do is be publicly humiliated
0: by coming forward. By with
1: having her. people not believe you when you come forward with your story, and then to have it discussed on radio programs or national television. Would
0: further humiliate that poor person. Then why it's now? Not right. What? Why now, as opposed to perhaps other times when when he ran for statewide office, or when when he was you know three or four months ago when he was running in the, the Republican primary. I mean, why? Why come forward now when there were other opportunities to do it?
1: Fear. Mm-hmm. And yet when you rise in political power and you then have power over people to make decisions, mm-hmm. that fear gets greater, knowing that you're, you're not coming forward to give the public the opportunity to know the kind of character that it could be.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you... Uh, let me just ask you something is a general question. Do you ever think there are women who who make false claims of, of in this case, inappropriate touching? Or do you think that everybody that comes forward is automatically telling the truth?
1: Obviously, the answer to that question is there could be doubt.
0: Right. Okay. Just
1: as there could be doubt in his story.
0: You, oh, sure. Abso- right. A- absolutely. I mean, that's the... You. you were, but that's why who I was saying has to more to lose? Her victim, or him? Uh, yeah.
1: The victim who comes forward, or the person who is seeking the political power? Who uh, has more to lose?
0: Well, I would say probably the person seeking the political power. Would no, you say, you'd say the victim, because she's Absolutely. going to be humiliated by making her story. He's I victimized twice. Yeah. No. They. they I mean. Well. I. I, I mean. That's. See, this this is where – now, I have a very strong feeling as to what should happen here, and and we'll discuss that in just a second. But this is – you see, this is the problem that that you have with allegations that are 40 years old. Um, On the one hand, you want to say, well, there's no way somebody's going to lie about this. At the same time, when you have, in this case, the guy who says, I never did this. This is just flat out untrue. It is a false claim against me. How, how do you prove it one way or the other after 40 years? And like I say, where this differentiates itself somewhat from a lot of the stuff in Hollywood is the people in Hollywood ha- have largely a- a- acknowledged it. Kevin Spacey says, yes, I'm sorry, I apologize. As Dustin Hoffman says this. They're, they're acknowledging that type of behavior. In this case, the guy says it is completely and totally false. And they, they, while they have other women who said when we were 15 and 16, he tried to date us. Nobody says that he inappropriately touched them. Now, that doesn't change the dynamic necessarily, though. Um, and I will share with you in just a couple minutes what I think needs to happen now. But my, my question is, what what where do we go from here? Is politically is he a dead man walking how do you handle this one way or the other knowing that the reality is we're probably never ever going to know the truth you know people will have their opinion as to what the truth is but we're probably never going to know we'll never be able to prove it one way or the other we continue the conversation it's 1229 this is jeff wagner 1236 jeff wagner 620 wtmj let me share with you our text line has just exploded some of the thoughts um Let's see, whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty? Allegations are flying all over right now on celebrities and politicians. It would be very easy for someone to make an allegation and ruin somebody's life because we as a community are instantly assuming guilt and not giving these people the benefit of the doubt or their constitutional right to defend themselves. I was just talking off the air with Eric Bilstadt, and I don't want people to misunderstand me. I'm certainly not going to defend somebody who engaged in this sort of behavior, reprehensible if it's true, reprehensible behavior. But uh, the flip side of this is... Okay, um, when you have someone who somebody comes forward out of the clear blue a month before a Senate race and says, this person did this to me 40 years ago or 38 years ago, and I've, I, 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 I've never come public with this, and I never filed a lawsuit, and I never went to the police, and that person says, no, this, this isn't true, H- how do you sort this whole thing out? Now, many times... It's very apparent because what you have is you have a pattern. Harvey Weinstein, I have no trouble believing the various women because there's a lot of them. Bill Cosby, you have the story over and over again. Now, this is a different situation with this Roy Moore because at least so far, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day, but at least so far, there's only this one woman who says he had inappropriate physical contact with me when I was a minor. They have a couple other people who say, yeah, when I were fifteen or sixteen or seventeen, he asked us he asked tried to date us, which I think is odd when you're in the thirties, in your thirties. Now now who knows if there's other women out there. If there are other women out there, well I think that pretty much if, if two days from now you've got five or six other young women are coming and say, Yeah, and he tried to do the same thing to us, well then I, I think Clearly, you you know that there is a pattern and a practice. But right now, it's essentially one woman. Um, Okay, let's see. uh, Another one of our texts. This is... um from Mike and Whitewater. Everybody is rushing to judgment on him. What about the presumption of innocence? What about the statute of limitations? Now, again, the, the statute of limitations is blown, so we're not talking about a criminal thing, but we are talking about, you know, do people think that somebody with these allegations against them should be in the U.S. Senate? I, Mike writes, I do not think he should step down. This is clearly a Democrat play, no different when the Access Hollywood tape came out. Um, let's see, another text. She finally got the courage to come forward. Now, that You know, nowadays, now you've got this Me Too campaign. Um, For the last month or so after the Weinstein story, you have more and more women who are coming out and um, feeling comfortable and not feeling ashamed by talking about this. Uh, Let's see another text. Why didn't anybody ever believe the Clinton accusers? That is an interesting point that we'll get to in just a minute. Uh, let's see. Kevin in Muskego. If anyone doesn't think there are false allegations, remember the Duke Lacrosse case? Yeah, that was the notorious case where the woman said that she was sexually assaulted by a group of Duke Lacrosse players. Turns out it was a completely and totally bogus story. He writes, If these are untrue, where does Roy Moore go to get his reputation back? Um, he will never, he will never get his reputation back. Here's another one. Um, I would hate to be a boss or supervisor in today's day and age. All one has to do is make any Wild allegations they want, and the damage is done. Let's see another text. Roy Moore is a victim of his own stupidity and sexual desires. Um, all right, 414 799 1620. Let's talk to Greg in Greenfield. Greg, you're on 620 BTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Hi, Jeff. Hi, I just think this stuff has gotten to be completely out of hand. And what these guys got to do I mean, if I was him and I knew I was innocent, I would say, I would challenge these people and say, okay. I challenge you. I challenge you to go file a complaint, put it in writing. I challenge you to take me to court because then I have judicial process that I can be in court with you, and I have judicial process to refute, and I also have judicial process to sue you if you're wrong, which you are. So I would challenge every one of them to go ahead, take me to court. I want you to take me to court. That way I have a process whereby I can stand and refute it in a judicial court of law.
0: How does that play out for a politician? You, you've got a, an election coming up, you got a special election coming up in, in three weeks or so. How, do, how does that play out? Because even if, if you do something like that, you're talking about a process um, that, that potentially could take years to play out. I mean, how, what, what does Roy Moore do tomorrow?
2: I I don't think that that time process matters, because right now, if you think about it, in the court of public opinion, her opinion is overweighing his. Mm -hmm. Therefore, he has to make some type of a move to place what his truth is above and beyond hers. And the only way that he can do that is to challenge that, her statement, by taking it right into the ring. Mm -hmm. And would it become hugely political? Sure. But in order for him to substantiate his posture, he has to do something, and the best thing he can do, my belief is, what I would do, I don't know what anybody else would do, but I would challenge the hell out of him.
0: Yeah, challenger to go forward. Now, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here, Here is part of the other reality that, that is out there, and this is the way I understand it. Because these allegations have come forward at this point in time, he... He, his name will will still be on will be on the ballot there's and, and again if, if somebody I, I know there's a lot of lawyers that are looking at this whole thing now he could say I, I'm I'm stepping down I'm not running um, but his name will still appear on the ballot my understanding under the law is there's there's not an opportunity now for the Republicans to say okay we're, we're gonna put Luther Strange's name on the ballot what would have to happen is you would have to have some other Republican launch a right in candidacy, you know, which is you no know, very difficult. You know, vote, vote for me a, as a write in. I don't think that has any way of succeeding unless you had Roy Moore suddenly now deciding that he's going to drop out and throw his support behind Luther Strange. But I, I don't, I, I don't see, I don't see that happening. I mean, I don't see him dropping out unless unless there's other people that end up coming forward um, with similar claims. And, and candidly that that's what I'm going to be watching for because you know you know right now that, that what's going on is every political operative involved in trying to win Senate races and probably, you know, every reporter from every mainstream media outlet that gets assigned to go down there is now beating the woods trying to find out is there somebody besides this particular woman? Is there somebody that the Washington Post couldn't find? You know, the Washington Post was probably looking are there going to be other people that come forward and say, yeah, back in 1979 or back in 1980, um, and he was single at the time. Um, he was you know this this is it he he touched me inappropriate or appropriately or whatever so you know there's going to be a lot of people who are looking that way michael in delafield michael you're on 620 wtmj good afternoon
3: hey good afternoon um yeah i was just talking before i i um i think it's uh, it i just want there to be some some moral equivalency here I, i see a lot of outrage about Hollywood, which is rightly placed. Right. Um, and I feel like now that there's, it's coming out of the woodworks that there might be a politician, mm-hmm. um, it's, well, let's question it. Let, that there's, oh, well, I'm getting tired, sick, and tired of this. Um, and I don't think, even if, even let's just say the allegations are true, it's obvious that they're politically timed. Um, but I think on Hollywood, it's the same equivalent. We had, what, Louis C.K. break yesterday, yeah. a week before his movie came out. We had Kevin Spacey's break right before uh, House of Cards came out, and um, so
0: it's—it's it's Of course, again, the different again the, the difference. Uh, let me give you another. Remember J- Jeremy Piven? You know the guy, the, act, the actor right. based out of Chicago. Piven had a couple people accuse him, and he was real. He he said no. This isn't true. You know, again, it was allegations of sexual misconduct from years ago. He said, I I deny it. It's not true. And, you know, by the way, this is starting to be this witch hunt because how how do I, I deny it? you know how do i prove that i didn't do something 20 years ago or whatever now that's different from of course Weinstein where there's all sorts of women who are saying the same thing or mm-hmm. spacey who apparently acknowledges it and i think louis ck acknowledges it too i could be wrong on that right. but yeah
3: and i know what i know what i know you're you're completely right as far as i know i know what more there's about there was the, the girl who was 14 and then there was a the girl who we've met at the mall,
0: right? There were there were other girls who said he 17. tried to date them She's right. the, the, the fourteen year old is the only one that says he tried to inappropriately Correct. touch her. Now don't don't get me wrong, he's thirty two. They're fourteen or fifteen. That in and of itself is weird. I, I mean, I, I'm totally. with you on that, right? You know,
3: I I just want us to all to be united on a front of like if these people, we should get to the bottom of it. But at the same time, we need to put politics and. Business aside, and just be like, wrong is wrong.
0: Oh, absolutely! So. No, there's there's no question about it. And that's and and th- there there's absolutely no question about it. And um, it, it is it's one of it's it's difficult and you know and of course then there are double standards you know we had the texture that said well okay what about all the people that, that didn't want to believe bill clinton's accusers because well bill clinton was a liberal democrat you know so okay we, we don't want to believe that i mean we had a situation play out in in milwaukee with the former mayor who you know was accused of sexual harassment and ended up it came out that he had a torrid and kinky affair with one of his subordinates in the mayor's office and still there were a lot of prominent quote unquote quote Milwaukee feminists who decided they wanted to stand up behind him because well, you know, he, he was one of of them. So there is this huge double standard that's out there. I do think I think the times has have of course changed nowadays and I, I think, you know, more and more victims are coming forward because they feel comfortable doing this. So what what do we do? You know, what what do we do here? And I guess the ball is in Roy Moore's court. Here, here's the reality I think I think as it stands right now as it stands right now, he probably fair or unfair, and of course if these allegations are true, it is very fair. If the allegations are untrue, well it, it's it is unfortunate. But I think right now he probably has little or no chance of winning that election. I, I just that's that's how I see it. People may disagree with me, but I think the practical reality is that given he was sort of an odd candidate to begin with, running neck and neck with his Democratic opponent in the polls. Even in Alabama, I think allegations like this, it, it probably, fair or unfair, probably ends his political campaign. Now, maybe if he stays in the race and a month from now he ends up winning, I'll, I'll have to eat my words, and that's okay. I don't mind doing that. But I think at this point in time, if I was Roy Moore, what I would be doing is I, I would be outraged. I would be declaring how unfair this is. I would be talking about, like one of our previous callers was talking about, the need, I'm going to get my reputation back and I'm going to vigorously defend this. But as far as trying to do that in the context of a Senate campaign, this is one where it might be in his interest to put the interest of the party and the country ahead of his personal interest and just say, okay, I'm going to step out, I want you to vote for whoever this might be. The other problem with this, and this this is what happens when you have I don't know, some of these fringe candidates who end up getting embraced without being properly vetted. I think um, and I think you're potentially going to see more and more of this type of stuff. And I understand there's some people who think it's a Democrat hit job. It may very well be. May very well be. But it doesn't change the dynamic that this Senate seat now is in play, and it shouldn't have been. 1249, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1252, Jeff Wagner, 620, WTMJ. Yeah, Louis C.K. acknowledges that, that these allegations against him are true. So, I mean, that's, that, that's it's one thing if they come out and they acknowledge it. The problem is, okay, we, we have people. What happens when they deny it? All right, big thing number two is coming up. Who actually is wealthy? We'll talk about that in just a minute. But I want to share with you, Gru, who's producing the show today, I confess that I do not know what to make of this story. And this is one of the strangest stories I have heard in a long time. Last week, we talked in great detail about the, the, the two drifters from the homeless camp that showed up at the guy's house in Greenfield and strangled and killed the 76-year-old man and then were high-fiving each other on a bus as they were leaving. The, the weird part was the day before, surveillance cameras showed that one of the killers ended up at the guy's front doorstep with an unidentified woman picking up a package okay this is what fox six is reporting they've now identified the woman the woman who shows up with the killer on the guy's doorstep is the same woman who was having sex at state fair whose husband got charged last week i I, yes my my i just i i'm reading lips my producer said my god yeah here's what they were this is this is fox six The woman accused of having sex at the Wisconsin State Fair tells Fox 6 News much more serious trouble has found her. She says she unknowingly led a killer to her victim in Greendale. Um, Let's see. She says, 2017 has been the roughest years probably in my life. Okay, she's caught in this video having sex at State Fair Park. Um, Then she goes on to say, I was homeless technically. Um, She says for the last month, for the first time, she found herself living in a tent in a Milwaukee homeless camp. I was only down there a couple of days when all this happened. This is the way this Fox six is reporting it down on her luck and in need of help. Anderson says she thought she found it when another homeless woman offered her to wait, a way to get her replacement debit card. She was nice enough to say, yeah, you can have something like that mailed to my dad's house. It's kind of close to here. It's on a bus line. It wouldn't be a problem. Uh, the woman then had her ATM card mailed to 76-year-old Kenneth Lattice's Greendale home. When it was time to pick it up, she says 42-year-old Calvin Fleener, that was the psycho that killed the guy, Offered to keep her company. Nothing was said that would have raised any flags or made me think of anything. So, okay, she has a replacement debit card. She's homeless, mailed to this guy's house because her daughter says he'll take it for you. She goes to pick it up and she takes along this 42 year old psycho who says he offered to keep her company. She says nothing was said that would raise any flags or made me think of anything. She says at no time in a relatively uneventful pickup could she imagine what would happen next. Learning this was a huge shock. Fleener and another homeless man are charged with tying up and suffocating the 76-year-old guy during a robbery the next day. She says she's horrified that she may have unknowingly led a killer to the victim. I would sit and think about it. Like, did he say anything that would make me think anything at all? Unfortunately, not. I don't know what to make of this story. I, I just uh, her, her story is the reason I'm on this surveillance video. Is I just I was going to pick up this card, and I just happened to hook up with this homeless drifter who went with me, and then the next day he goes back and kills the guy. I I I just don't know what to make of it, one way or the other. Other than. It's one of the weirdest darn things that I've heard in a long, long time. Interestingly, the DA's office charged her husband with sex in public and didn't charge her. Maybe this is why they did it. She's like cooperating in the murder case or or whatever. It's just... It's flat-out bizarre. This is the stuff of TV movies. Unfortunately, you've got a 76-year-old guy who's dead. 1256, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. When we come back, big story number two, and I really want to talk to you about this. What makes somebody wealthy? Stick around. 111, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. Drew, who is producing the show at, I'm telling you, WTMJ listeners love a deal. We've been telling you all week about how at 1 o'clock today you had a chance to purchase the $50 gift certificates to Weisberger's Golden Mast Golden Mast Inn for 25 bucks. Sold out instantly. So, um, you know, the, the, the note says all vouchers are processing, so um, you can check back. But it, I, when I tell you they go on sale at 1 o'clock, they go on sale at 1 o'clock. And I think uh, that's – appreciate them participating in our Supper Club option. Um, and they just sold out right away. All right. Big story number two. And maybe, maybe you are not going to be sympathetic for the group of people that, that I'm talking about. If you look at the Republican tax plan that was passed in the House and has gone to the Senate, as we've talked about before, in an effort to try to make it revenue neutral, some people are going to get tax breaks, and other people are going to pay more. A lot of the people who are going to be paying more are not necessarily the idle rich. If you look at where a lot of the money is coming from, it is coming from limits on your ability to make deductions. For example, as we talked about before, the, the, the house Plan, you know, caps the deduction at ten thousand dollars for state and local taxes. Caps it at ten thousand dollars. The Senate plan eliminates it entirely. So there's limitations on all these different deductions. Apparently, the four hundred one k deduction, or the ability to contribute to four hundred one k, survived. But but what they're doing is they're going after a lot of people who itemize their taxes. Now, here's an interesting story that appeared in the Chicago Tribune. Now, let me, let me share this with you, and then i want to get your reaction. On the income distribution charts at the Center of Tax Overhaul Plans, Courtney Michaud knows she's doing pretty well. She works as a tax manager at a firm in the Atlanta suburbs. Her husband is a police officer, so she's a tax manager. He's a cop. Together, they make more than $180,000 a year. They are solidly in the upper middle class. But they have an expensive home with a large mortgage. They have three kids, including one in daycare and another in high school with plans to go to college. She says it it all adds up. She says they depend on tax deductions to make their budget work. She says, I don't feel wealthy. She says it's not like I have a bunch of money stashed away anywhere. Michaud is the type of person... Affluent enough for an annual family vacation, but not enough for a boat or a second home who potentially stands to lose under the Republican framework for changing the country's tax code, which threatens to eliminate or deeply cut deductions for mortgage and student loan interest and state and local taxes. These popular deductions are widely viewed as sacrosanct in high tax high-cost states like New York, New Jersey, and California, where the residents have led the fight against the proposed changes. What has been widely overlooked, though, is that residents of well-to-do suburbs in both red and blue states across the nation, including here in just north of Atlanta, could find themselves in a similar squeeze. And then the story goes on to talk about how, you know, this... The, the these suburban voters, the white collar suburban voters, you know, tend to be you know some of the backbones of some of the Republican support over the years. But, but how this is now starting to target them. Now I understand that some people might say, "Hey, okay, her and her husband make 180 grand a year. All right, they're they're doing they're doing well. They're the type of people who should pay more in taxes." And her response is, "Look, I, I don't deny that I'm, I'm doing okay. We're, we're doing well, but we're we're not Chris Abley, you know, trust fund babies. We're we, you know, he's a cop. I'm a tax manager. We do okay, but we live in an expensive suburb. We've got three kids. You know, we've got a big mortgage on our house. You know, we're trying to save for one of our, for all ki- our kids to go to college. It's not like we're multi millionaires, and this plan is going to hit us." So 414-799-1620, that is the Accurate mortgage talk and text line. If you look at a lot of the people that are going to get hit hard by these Republican tax plans, especially in some of the states, big states, it's going to be people that make between $100,000 a year and $250,000 a year who really do kind of depend on those sort of, of deductions to... I don't want to say make ends meet because I mean again, if you are making one hundred and eighty grand a year, you you should be able to make ends meet. But at the same time, it, it does affect their lifestyle. So, so let's tee this up. What what is wealthy? It, is somebody like this couple that they're talking about in the story? You know, two spouses. Both who have good jobs. But he works in the public sector. He's a cop. She's a tax manager. You know, let's assume for the sake of argument, they're both making eighty or ninety grand or whatever. Okay, are these are these the type, Are these people wealthy? Do they need to be targeted and made to pay more as part of tax reform? Or are, are these really the upper middle class that are kind of the I don't know the the heart of. I don't know what is growing this country are, are these people wealthy should they be paying more should they be losing deductions 414 799 is the number we're back to take your calls in just a moment 121 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ our friends down the hall at KPI country are helping hoping to raise over $36,000 today to pay for a new trunk a new trunk a new truck for the USO to continue serving our Wisconsin soldiers during extended deployment training at Fort McCoy. There's a USO truck for the troops radiothon happening until 5 tonight. If you'd like to donate, simply call 414-967-5417 or visit com now. All right, really interesting piece. The, the, this, the tax reform package that is out there, if you are typically – Somewhere between people can argue about this, but if you're making between like a hundred and two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you are what we typically define describe as upper middle class. Now, some people might say yes, no. Some people might say no. Interestingly enough, if you look at the way this tax plan pays for itself, it's it's the upper middle class the people who depend on some of the deductions and itemized they're the ones that get targeted the up the that that people with like lots of inherited wealth like chris Abley and things like that th- this doesn't really affect them and, of course, you know, people below like the $100,000 figure probably are going to end up being better off. But these people in that hundred to $250,000 range, they're the ones that are going to end up, I think, perhaps bearing the brunt. Collectively, they're going to be the losers in this. And there's a number of stories where a lot of these people are coming out and saying, well, you know, we understand that you want wealthy people to pay more, but, but we're really not the super wealthy. Why is it that the rich get to walk away and those of us who... Okay, I work for a living, my wife works for a living, and, you know, you make $150,000 between the two of you. You're doing okay. Nobody's saying that you need to have a tag sale, but are those the people that should be paying more? You've got the hundred and fifty or $180,000 a year couple, two jobs, three kids, one in high school, um, one in kindergarten, and the big mortgage, 414-799-1620. Let's start with Sam in McHenry. Sam, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. How are you doing, Joe? Hi, Sam.
4: Well, the Democrats had their years of taxing and regulating and spending like there was no tomorrow. Paul Ryan and a lot of these other guys claimed that they understood what the problem was with the middle class. And they got elected to fix these problems. And now they're engaging in this shell game now with everybody's hard-earned wealth that they claim they weren't going to do. Now, Paul Ryan, who was on taking questions from the media the other day, I don't know if you were looking close at his face and his body language, but he did not look comfortable at all. Mm-hmm. He kept going on and on about how we ran on this and how we got to get this done. But no, he didn't run on this. And they're getting a lot of blowback right now. Yeah. And the other thing that really caught me yesterday was the Senate now came out and said that they want to delay this business tax cut for maybe a year now. Why would you run on this for seven or eight years when Obama's in there? Right. Then you get in, it takes you a whole year to get your act together, only so you can come out and say, well, we're just going to hold off on it now. For what reason, why would you hold off on that?
0: Yes. No, I think that's, I mean, there's... you know I mean I guess here's part of this idea and, and you wonder whether I mean I mean the idea is still okay we, we want to give the we want to give people the opportunity to keep more of their money and, and invest it and so that's why you know that's why we're, we're trying to lower the upper tax brackets or things like that or something we're considering. but at the same time it's it's the folks who are in the upper middle class, I mean that they're the ones that are spending the money. Hey, we're buying, we're buying the bigger house. We're save, we're trying to save to send our kids to college. And again, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, okay, they're making hundred eighty thousand dollars. Like I say, you don't need to have a tag sale for them. But if you look at some of these plans, that's the group of people that are perhaps being hit hardest. Let's see, uh, Chris says, my wife and I are getting close to the hundred thousand dollar range, and we believe believe we live below our means. Wealth is rel- relative to each person, and if you make a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars a year, it's really not a lot of money in this day and age. Now I know that there's some people that are rolling their eyes, but they're I think what he's saying is it's not like we're buying Lear jets or things like that, or 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 having properties all over. It is interesting. Interesting, the inherited wealth, the people that are rich, that can have the different tax shelters or things like that, or don't who, ne- who don't necessarily have the huge amounts of earned income, th- they're going to do okay under this. Um, let's see, Chris continues, the government knows the vast amount of wealth is in the middle class. This country is running massive deficits, and this day was to to come. Um, 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Craig uh, in Lowell. Craig, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon.
5: Hey, Jeff, uh, uh, like I was telling your screener, um, wonderful guy, by the way, uh, you know, it comes down to entitlements and term limits. You know, is is this couple that makes 150, 160,000 rich? Well, like your last, uh, text, you know, it's all relative. But the thing is, when taxes were created, it was to run the government. It was not to support all the entitlements. And, uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh our tax uh, changes, you know, if there was a perfect situation, they would have come up with it years ago.
0: Yeah. No, I think, I think you're no, you know. I, I
5: what think... it comes down to is if we come up with term limits, so uh uh senators, presidents, uh, and all the way down, you know, uh are not uh supported by some of these uh uh outsider groups. You know, maybe uh, we could come up with a tax uh, reform that actually works.
0: Well, what I would like to see is, it's not that I'm against tax reform. It's just I'm against these ideas where you pick winners and losers. Why don't we just cut spending? Okay, here's one of our texts. It's even worse. The tax reform plans do offer some simplification, plus to much-promoted cuts in rates for big corporations. Unfortunately, being revenue-neutral, many truly middle-income families, especially those who are self-employed, are going to be substantially hit by lost deductions, not only the state and local taxes, but more importantly, all medical expenses, and those who are of means who must take Obamacare health plans with high premiums, not subsidized, will be especially hurt. Cutting and simplification is good, but not at the cost to the middle class." Something to think about. Big story number three is coming up. Hillary was in town, and it's still not her fault. Stick around. It's 127. 136, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Will the Packers snap their losing skids Sunday in Chicago, or will the post-Aaron Rodgers slump continue? Voice of the Packers, Wayne Larrabee, joins Gene Miller with a game recap. That is going to occur at 751 Monday, on Wisconsin's Morning News. Zarek was telling you the, um the ceremony, they're down at, uh, they're down at uh, SC Johnson in Racine, um, the ceremony to formally sign off on the Foxconn documents is, has not started quite yet. Um, we will, I think our news department will probably be listening and we'll dip in. But I think it's going to be, at the end of the day, a very, very positive thing um, for Milwaukee moving forward. All right. Yesterday, Hillary Clinton was in town. She was making an appearance, a paid appearance, at the Riverside Theater. Here's a portion of of what she said. This is the way the Journal Sentinel reports this. she was talking about how she said that during the campaign, she faced a perfect storm of events, zeroing in on Russian interference in the election and former FBI director James Comey, who investigated her use of a private email server while she was the secretary of state. She said Russian interference in elections is more than alarming. It is a clear and present danger to Western democracy and added that the tactics came right out of the playbook of Vladimir uh, Blatter- Russian President Vladimir Putin. She saw, she said she also faced an unconventional candidate in Trump. What became clear is that this was the first reality TV campaign. He was the first reality TV candidate, and I was the candidate of reality. She criticized Trump for a dark and divisive inaugural address and called him temperamentally unqualified to be president. She took a dig at Trump over his overseas trip, especially his visit to China. Clinton said she imagined the Chinese president was thinking this is going to be easy. Clinton said she was hurt in Wisconsin by the state's voter ID law, which she said suppressed votes among minorities, seniors and students. She urged the audience to make sure in 2018 that voters get to the polls with proper um, identification. Clinton talked also about sexism in politics, saying the only way to remove it is to get more women into office. So, I mean, as, as part of the presentation, it was a recap of you know what went wrong in her campaign. I have two words to describe this summary of the election this is big story number three Hillary Clinton in town those two words would be sore loser I mean really I understand that losing an election has to be tough I understand that losing an election to somebody that you feel you are so far superior to has to be even more difficult and that is, of course, compounded by the fact that she thought all along that she was going to win. That's why she thought she could ignore Wisconsin. She could ignore Michigan. Of course, they're, they're, they're going to win. But this stuff about blaming this or blaming that or its voter ID or its sexism, Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. just one segment on this. I, this is the type of stuff that makes my head want to uh, explode. It is this divorcement from reality. The truth of the matter is that Hillary Clinton was a rotten candidate. And, and it wasn't just the campaign. You know, you're, you're seeing this, for example, in the Donna Brazil book that's coming out, The Clinton camp thought there was this sense of entitlement. They thought they didn't have to listen to anybody. They thought that they didn't need anybody. And, and this idea that, well, gee, I was the candidate of reality. He was the reality TV candidate. Uh, Trump is dark and divisive. You know what do you think Hillary Clinton is, if not dark and divisive not she 's hurt in Wisconsin by the state 's voter ID poll no you 're hurt in Wisconsin by the fact that you were not Barack Obama. You took Wisconsin for granted, and the truth is people just aren 't that into you i mean i 've told this story before. I have several friends who are Democrats, believe it or not that that's that is true. And I don't know a person who was excited to vote for Hillary Clinton. Now, I'm not saying they didn't turn out and vote for Hillary Clinton, because my friends tend to vote all the time. But it was hold your nose and vote for her. She was not a candidate of change. She was a candidate of 1996, and people wanted something different. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. And this whole thing, I mean, two words, like I say. To me, it's sore loser. Let's talk to Alex in Port Washington. Alex, you're on 620 WTMJ.
2: Hi, uh, thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, sir. I I think my analysis would come down
0: to two letters, and I would call that (laughs) yeah. <laughs> well, OK, no, 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 no disagreement from me here. You know, I mean, I think it's it's just it's it's kind of that ne- that need to rationalize, you know, what what happened and this idea that it's it's not my fault. It, it's James James Comey. It's the Russians. It's voter ID um, instead of the fact that maybe maybe people just didn't like me.
2: But what I think she's so delusional that she thinks she could possibly try to run again. Like,
0: that's the feeling I can uh, I think, I, Well, I, I think I, I think the the Democrats have moved on. I, I think the the reality is it's kind of like you know, okay, nineteen ninety six. Uh, she she was the candidate of 19, 1996. and I mean part of the part of the thing was I mean it was kind of the old guard. I acknowledge that she got caught up in this this sort of Trump tsunami that was out there. But, I mean, I think you could say that John McCain got caught up in a Barack Obama tsunami, you know, back in in 2008. Sometimes those type of things happen. But instead of just recognizing, hey, I ran a crummy campaign, I, I lost. You know, and the truth is, she might have been the only mainstream Democrat that would have lost to Donald Trump. But she somehow managed to lose to Donald Trump. Bob on the east side. Bob, you're on 620 WTMJ. Afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Bob. Um,
3: When when you said two words, I thought it was going to be sour
0: grapes. (laughs) That would be be fair as well. I mean, mean, sour grapes. Why why do you think that?
2: Well, she lost for a number of reasons, uh, none of which she wants to acknowledge. First of all, the situation, she can blame James Comey all she wants. But James Comey would have had nothing to investigate had she not either done the most stupid thing in history or something that was illegal or illicit right. and using her own server right. instead of just using the State Department server. If that was the only change, she would have won the election in basically a landslide, because that would have taken away a huge issue for all kinds of voters.
0: Right, and then the refusal to just acknowledge that, that we're going we're to dig our heels in here and, you know, nothing to see here. And thanks to I mean, it, it's the same... It it was the same Clinton M.O., that played out when Bill was in the White House. The idea that there's this vast right-wing conspiracy that's out to get us and you know how dare they. And instead of just acknowledging, hey, we made mistakes, whatever, you, you dig in your heels and you end up making it worse. No, I think you could say sour grapes. I think you could say sore loser. I, I think in general, look, it's good. She's making the tour. People paid between 45 and $150 to see her yesterday, which in my opinion is God's way of telling you that you have too much money. But that's okay. You know, She was here. She's, she's doing Doing the tour. Um, I, I think candidly, though, if I were giving advice to the Democrats, it would be time to move on. It's 149, Jeff Wagner, 620, WTMJ. The Foxconn announcement is going on. Eric Billstad, we're following.
4: Fitz Johnson of S. C. Johnson just introduced the House Speaker Paul Ryan at S. C. Johnson right now. The Foxconn signing. And we're Here's Paul Ryan
6: about to kick off a whole new chapter of a new iconic employer doing the same for the people here in southeastern Wisconsin. How exciting is that, huh?
5: Man.
6: I think we're going to look back at this day at this moment in the future and see that this was a very important turning point for southeastern Wisconsin in particular but for Wisconsin in general. This is a big turning point because when we live here, we raise our families here, we always think to the future and we want to make sure that our kids are going to have a brilliant and bright future here as well. We want to make sure that the kids that are growing up in Wisconsin stay in Wisconsin. You ever heard this term brain drain? This reverses brain drain. So there are a number of thanks I would like to just briefly mention. First of all, I want to thank the people of Wisconsin for being world-class workers for attracting the likes of Foxconn to make this kind of game-changer that it really is. That's what makes this work. Our people our workers, the world class. I want to thank the President. President Trump's the one who kind of got this whole ball rolling. He's the one who sort of instigated this. He was the one who saw, oh my gosh, look at what happened with the auto factories. Look at what happened with this economy over the last, you know, 10 or 20 years. And then he met Terry Goh, and he made this connection. I want to thank Governor Scott Walker. This would not have happened if our governor just did not take to this like he did. This being an incredibly impressive investment into our economy, an incredibly impressive investment that brings a whole new sector of economic growth, that brings a whole new field of jobs, that attracts so many other jobs so that we really can be Wisconsin Valley. (laughs) We can be the industrial park for Silicon Valley. We can be the jobs of the future so that we're making sure that we're bringing this impressive factory, this impressive sector to our economy so that we have jobs of the future. It takes a governor who looks forward to seeing that this is what our state needs, this is how the future is bright, and this is how you grow jobs, this is how you improve the quality of life. Scott Walker, thank you for being tenacious and making this happen. Really appreciate that. I'll have more to say about Terry Go, but visionary just doesn't even skim the surface about this man. And so at this moment, it's, Im- it's important that we recognize that everybody got involved. And that's the last point I want to say, is in addition to having a world-class workforce, in addition to being strategically located in the country, in addition to having a state that's open for business, we have phenomenal local partners. We have community colleges like Gateway Tech, we have local, state, county, township government, we have state legislatures that made this all come together. So this is an intact community that is showing what, when we can partner together, we can really achieve a phenomenal investment that's going to make a positive difference in people's lives right here in Wisconsin. It's my pleasure right now to introduce uh, the assistant to the president who was involved in this, who helped us connect the dots and make all of this happen. Um, the assistant to the president. House for-
4: Speaker now- Paul Ryan at SC Johnson in Racine celebrating the big contract signing. It will happen today. Foxconn and Governor Walker will sign the contract, which will now officially start the development project in Racine County.
0: And we'll continue to monitor uh, the various dignitaries that are going to be speaking. But the bottom line is. Um, And it's amazing to me how quickly this all comes together. When you look at something, the scope of this project, the size of the commitment, and the fact that it's really only been a few months from inception and proposal to a reality. And, again, we'll continue to bring you remarks from people who are speaking today, um, both during this program and also, of course, during our newscasts. Uh, It's 154. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 156, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. This is very cool, and I did just want to remind people of it. Tomorrow, of course, Veterans Day, and WTMJ wants to say thank you. Join our John McCure at the Mineshaft Restaurant in Hartford for a special Heroes breakfast from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. If you're a vet or you know someone who is, bring your military ID to the Mineshaft tomorrow morning between 8 and 10 and enjoy a delicious Heroes breakfast on the house. Did I mention on the house? It all starts at 8 a.m. with our very own John McCure, a special Veterans Day Heroes Breakfast with the Mineshaft restaurant in Hartford and WTMJ. So check that out as well. Hey, coming up in just a couple minutes, just because there is a video of it, does it mean that we should see it? And we'll be discussing that also coming up uh, in about a half hour or so. Uh, we've moved our Pop Culture Corner figure to uh, feature to Friday afternoons. And uh, this is going to be an extremely fun one. It's kind of based on where my life is right now and something I find myself doing a lot. And I actually need some ideas from you. It's going to be extremely fun. Um, again, the, the Foxconn signing ceremony is going on here. And, and Paul Ryan's now sort of starting to act as the, the master of ceremonies. I, I do think that there is something that's a key. That, that needs to be mentioned, and, and this is, I, I think you could say honestly that it is unprecedented. One of the big knocks on the whole Foxconn process was: what happens if Foxconn reneges? What happens if the state makes all these commitments and makes this commitment to pay out this money, and then Foxconn just says, "Fine, we're 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 not we're not going to honor our commitments." One of the interesting things that is part of the agreement is the personal guarantee from. Uh, the founder of the company, this Terry Go, that um, you know he's willing to commit up to what half, you know what 500 million dollars um, personally to help reimburse the state. In the event that you know there that something goes wrong now again, this is the doomsday scenario that's out there, and I understand there's a lot of people who because they don't like Scott Walker or they don't like Paul Ryan, they want to see this whole thing go bad. I really don't think that there's a likelihood of this, but again, because you have the the founder of Foxconn who's willing to come up and at least back up his company with some of his personal wealth that goes a long way it is 159 coming up in just a couple minutes first of all we'll keep you updated about the mess we have on the roadways we'll keep you updated about what's going on at the foxconn signing and then when we come back i want to talk to you just because there's a video does that mean that we should watch it stick around it's 159 210 jeff wagner 620 MJ. so glad to have you with us Ru, who's producing the program today. I have three things, including Pop Culture Corner, that I want to get to in the last hour of the program for today, the last hour for the week. Can we accomplish it? All right, here's the deal. Story what I want to start off with. Just because there is a tape of it, do we need to see it? Here's the deal. Um, this horrible shooting at the First Baptist Church in Texas on Sunday, there is a videotape of it. Uh, Now, to give you some perspective, um, this is a little church. Um, They still haven't said how many people were actually in the church at the time of the shooting. But the typical church attendance is 30 to 50 people, 26 people dead, 20 others injured in the shooting. So that's 46. It appears that almost everybody who was in the church at the time was shot. The video, and this is what authorities are saying, that the, the church would routinely, they had video cameras in the church, the church would routinely video its services. And apparently um, there, there is a camera which captures the service and captures the seven minutes where you have this crazed gunman who apparently is, is walking up and down the aisles executing members of the church. There is a video of this that exists, and it is apparently in the possession of the the authorities. So now the question becomes, what do you do with this? Now, there's some question under the Texas open record law as to whether or not if the media makes a demand for it, will this be public? If not immediately, because there's exceptions during crime investigations at some point in time in the future all right 414-799-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line now obviously there is i think uh, uh, from a purient interest perspective i mean maybe there's people that, that want to to see this um you could argue that this is a crime situation that there's public resources that are used to investigate this that the public should have a right to know on the other hand you know there there are survivors there are family members of people who are our victims and the the idea that this would get out in public and then be all over the internet so that you know people would have to relive this type of tragedy and relive this horror the question becomes to what effect okay so 4147991620 that is the acute mortgage talk and text line i think this video should be buried forever. I, I don't think that there is a legitimate purpose to be served in making it public. I don't think that the public needs to see this. I don't think this needs to be out there on, on YouTube. I don't think it needs to be shown 50 60 70 times on the um, NBC nightly news I don't think it needs to be a dateline special I don't think you need to have slow motion footage showing where this guy shot and where he didn't shoot sometimes I appreciate that there is a value to crime scene video in this particular case though this isn't a crime scene video that you need that the public to see. It's not like there's going to be a trial, for example. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I would argue that this video should be buried by law enforcement, never to be seen by the public again. They're going to tear down the church, is my understanding. What good, what possible pub good could come from putting this out there for the general public? Bart in Butler, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Good
3: afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say that it should be buried because it should never see the light of day. I mean, if people want to request it, then that shows to me that that
2: our culture has lost all common sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, look, I understand sometimes that there are there are videos that have huge historical impact, or you need for a prosecution. Okay, there's not going to be a prosecution. The shooter is dead. Um, this isn't. This isn't the Kennedy assassination in the Zapruder film. This is it's just it's a 7 minutes of a brutal execution. I who who would want to see this? What purpose does making this public serve?
3: It would you know what it would do? It would cause other people who are thinking to do this potentially to go want to do it. Yeah. I
5: mean, you, we
3: we have so much violence in our
0: culture. We don't need any more. Um yeah, I, right. Exactly. I mean, right. Who would want to see this? I mean, thanks to. I mean, who possibly would, would want to see this? And I, I understand when I take these positions. Sometimes you know some of the actually some people that I work with in the media say no 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 you don't understand the public has an, an absolute you know right to know the public has an opportunity and should be able to see this no not not necessarily I mean this was it was a private video that was taken by by the church I mean theoretically I, I think. It it belongs, or it should belong, to the the church. If there was a criminal prosecution, if this man were still alive and you were bringing him to trial and they were playing the video in the courtroom, okay, that's a different story. Then you make it public. But that is not what this is all about. The shooter is dead. There's not going to be a criminal prosecution. The only thing that you accomplish by making this public is to indulge in the ghoulish desires of certain people. It's 2:20 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ just in time for the holidays. WTMJ.com is giving you a chance to win an authentic NFL game ball autographed by Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. Just log on to the WTMJ.com contest page, listen for the special keyword in the podcast player, fill out the entry form and you could be our lucky winner. You can enter daily, but you've got to be 18 to take part. Official rules at WTMJ.com. Good luck from all of us here at WTMJ. How cool would that be? Hey, while you're on the podcast page, you can download podcasts of all the programs. Um, you can time shift. And if you can't listen to the whole show from noon to 3, but want to see what you missed. Matter of fact, somebody was saying the other day, I want to go back and listen to that. I, you were doing something that was really funny. I want to go back and, and I think it was they meant funny. Ha not funny. Odd. You know, I want to go back and, and listen to that. And, you know, where where is it? And I said, I think we did that in the one o'clock hour of that show. Oh, great. We'll find that on the podcast. All right who is producing the program today and always. Do you ever watch Thursday Night Football? Sometimes, yeah. Um, Thursday Night Football is sort of, it's, it's been around for a few years now. It's, again, an opportunity by the NFL to make money from the TV networks. The idea being, hey, if you put it on Thursday Night, if you put football on, people will watch it. The players hate Thursday Night games. And last night is probably the classic example of this. Um, Richard Sherman, who's the Seattle Seahawks, kind of loudmouth quarterback, a cornerback, last December he wrote this piece about why I, on the Players' Tribune, which is the union thing, why I hate Thursday night football. Um, This is what he said, you know, a a couple months ago. He said that NFL games on Thursday nights are, his word, not mine, mine, a poop fest. And he talked about how it's really bad for the players and the quality of the game because it doesn't give players enough time to recuperate from the Sunday games. Just having to play three days, four days later, their bodies don't have a chance to recuperate. They don't have a chance to put in game plans. Essentially, the quality of the games are awful, but it's dangerous for the players. Okay, last night, um, you know, last night you have, uh, first of all, I mean, a couple weeks ago, J.J. Watt, Who's you know of course the Wisconsin player now plays for Houston. He got hurt on a Thursday night game um, in week three of the 2016 season. He wouldn't return until the beginning of this year. Now he's out again. Richard Sherman yesterday um, he ended up blowing out his Achilles. He'll be out until next year. Seattle left tackle Dwayne Brown sprained his ankle. Safety Keith Chancellor suffered a stinger. Defensive tackle Jaron Reed left the game in the first half with a hamstring injury. Linebacker Michael Wilhoite suffered a calf injury. Injury. Defensive lineman Sheldon Richardson and Frank Clark ran into each other in the fourth quarter, both leaving the game. Uh, one of the running backs who had missed most of the previous games with a high right ankle sprain hurt his other ankle. It goes on and on. So, I mean, it really you, – you had players who were getting hurt. I watched part of the game. I was actually – I went to um, – I'm still, I'm still getting – Having to deal with this, um, like I now have grandchildren, step grandchildren. So we went to Addie's third grade concert yesterday, and then um, my wife and I stopped off. We had a pizza and beer, and I was watching the. They call me Grandpa Jeff. I just, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting used to being Grandpa Jeff. You know, it's kind of like, okay, never had any kids of my own, so now I got grandchildren. It's step grandchildren, but grandchildren nonetheless. They're great. So we we stopped off on the way back at a restaurant. we were sitting at the bar. We're having a pizza, a beer, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm watching the game, and and it was just. I'm watching it because it's on, but it was was a lousy game. I mean, the quality of the game was kind of awful. The Seattle Seahawks were dressed in the stupid uniforms that they put them in. But players were getting hurt right and left. And that the players are absolutely convinced that one of the reasons you have so many people getting hurt in these Thursday night games is because they, they just their bodies don't have time to recuperate, and the NFL apparently doesn't care. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Look, I'm a football fan. I like to watch the games. Although candidly, this year with all the protests and stuff, um, if it's if there's something else on, chances are I'm watching it. Like I said, I was sitting in a at a bar in this restaurant having a pizza, so it was on, so I was kind of watching it. But these players hate the Thursday night games. I think they have a really good point. Now, I understand it's tough to be too sympathetic you know, to players who are making millions of dollars and things like that. But you would think, I think one of the reasons, one of the reasons the NFL ratings are down is you have all these star players who are getting hurt. I mean, you know, who, if, you're, if you're a football fan, but not specifically a Packers fan, who wants to watch the Packers without Aaron Rodgers? I mean, that, that, that hurts ratings. Losing J.J. Watt hurts ratings. Losing Richard Sherman, losing the marquee players hurts ratings. And I think these Thursday games contribute to that. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Should we do away with Thursday night football? Would the NFL be smart to do that? It's 225. This is Jeff Wagner. If you're on the line, please hold on. 227, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The Bucs unveil their new point guard tonight as Eric Bledsoe joins Giannis in San Antonio to take on the Spurs. Ted Davis' court side will begin our Buckshots shots pregame coverage at 740 here on WTMJ. As a sports fan, um, it, it's just... It's frustrating to me when you see an inferior product put out. Now, I understand that there will always be some kind of Thursday games, for example – You'll have the uh, Thanksgiving, okay? That that's a big deal. You have the three games on Thanksgiving, and I'm not arguing you do away with that, but that's that's an exception. That is a special thing. What we have now is you have the, these Thursday games that occur all the time. Yesterday you had, and again, nobody. I don't think around here, with us being Packers fans, I don't think there's any loss, love loss for the Seattle Seahawks. But it was like walking wounded, getting hurt one after another, and a lot of the players say, "Hey, this is exhibit A, B, C, D, and E. Why we shouldn't have Thursday night?" football so here's the deal and and this will be another indicator about whether nfl owners care about the product or they care about the almighty dollar because apparently what's happened is is right now there's a 1.86 billion dollar package from nbc cbs twitter and amazon over the course of the two-year thursday night tv and streaming package that deal ends after this season so if if the NFL were to decide, hey, we care about player safety, and we care about not putting an inferior product on, on the field. The, the NFL could simply say, Thursday night games, okay, we tried it. We're, we're, we're not going to do it anymore. They would have the opportunity to do it. The players would also have to decide, too, because my understanding is out of this one3 billion dollar contract Um, also the players get about 225 million dollars so i mean part of this money trickles down but the quality of the games are just absolutely awful those, those day-glow uniforms that they make the teams wear, okay, that's nothing but trying to be a ratings grab. And ratings are down in general. Wouldn't it be better for the quality of the product if instead of putting something on just because you think somebody's going to pay you for it, you actually said, hey, we're going to be looking out for the players. We're going to be trying to protect the quality that the fans who buy tickets or who watch the game see instead of just saying we're going to put on, what was Richard Sermon's term, a poop fest. Well, Okay. Maybe the NFL could decide to say no to the Poop Fest. We'll see. All right, Pop Culture Corner is coming up. Um, I hope you are in good voice. We'll be talking about that in just a couple moments. It's 2.36, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, if you're new to this program... Um, Actually, this is the segment that this all started out with. You know, when I started doing a show here, we're in the 20th year of the program here in WTMJ. I've been here for 19 years, so this is the 20th season, inclusive counting. Um, I I call this Pop Culture Corner, and this is the segment where we we put aside the heavy lifting and we stop talking about the tragic events of the day in politics, and we try to go into the good weekend and have a little bit of fun. Sometimes we talk about movies, sometimes books, sometimes TV, sometimes food, sometimes travel. It, It just depends on what's going on, actually, what's happened in the news or what's going on in my life that tickles my fancy, and I, I hope will, will tickle yours. We live stream this on Facebook. So you can go to facebook.com backslash 620 WTMJ and you can see yours truly in the studio as we do this. I'm wearing my jimmy buffett margaritaville sweatshirt on a you know on a cold friday afternoon today dressed up for the particular event my wife is probably just putting her head down going yeah he, he went to work wearing a jimmy buffett you know hoodie oh but i did okay that's that that's that's it just kind of gave myself up nobody nobody would have known that except i just kind of gave myself up all right but but here here's the deal um for years and years and years i lived very close to the studio now um i i i, I don 't I, I told this story I mean I got married to uh, you know about a month and a half ago and getting my house ready to sell and so there's and for the next month or two we 're having all sorts of work done there um, we're friend and I we bought an, another house in Ozaki County. That's being painted, and stuff is in order. Not going to be ready to move in there, so you know I'm I'm staying out in Washington County now. So I, I've got this commute that I I never had before. So in the car, I have a lot of of time. I got a lot of windshield time. I am a huge fan of of the radio, and so I, I listen to of course WTMJ a lot. But but I want to admit, not not always. I I love music. There, there's no secret about that. So I've got. Sirius satellite radio, and I flick the channels on that. I've also I've got my iPod that has like eight thousand songs on it, and that's plugged in. So I mean. Like right now, I'm listening to uh, David Allen Coe and Guy Clark, you know, and, I, and I'll listen to albums and stuff as I'm driving along. So I, I've got a lot of music going on in the car when I'm not listening to, listening to WTMJ, but like I say, I, I spend a lot of windshield time nowadays. So I'm because sometimes I'm driving back and forth twice, not just once. So I spend a lot of time in the car because I've got a, all this stuff going on. And what I find myself doing as I am listening to all these various songs. I find myself singing along to a variety of songs. Now, I am not going to sing on the radio because, well, there's a reason I do spoken word as opposed to singing word radio. But but when you're in your car and you're kind of by yourself and that tune comes on, sometimes you've just got to sing. You know, you've just got to sing along. There's that great commercial for something that they're, they're showing now where the guy's singing Sweet Caroline and he pulls up at the intersection. I don't even know what it's a commercial for. He's got the window down. And he's singing Sweet Caroline. There's a gal in the car next to her and she starts singing that as well. But I do find myself singing along a lot because there's just some songs that you just they just make you want to sing. So I thought we would have a little fun for Pop Culture Corner this Friday afternoon because I know I am not alone. I am sure that there is a song that you hear when it comes on the radio or you, you play it on your MP3 player or whatever. There is that one song, that one song. That just makes you want to sing along. So let's have some fun. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. What is your one song that just makes you want to sing along? And you don't have to sing it. You just have to tell me about it. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's some real sad ballad. Maybe it's some up-tempo rocker. Maybe it's, you know, an old gospel tune. The song that makes you you just have to sing, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, when we do these segments, I always caution people, first of all, call in early because our phone lines tend to jam up. Um, Secondly, go with your first instinct. Sometimes people overthink it. I You know, I sing to this song all the time, but I'll sound dumb saying it. No, no, no. We have some fun. And once again, we're also live streaming this. Facebook.com backslash 620 WTMJ. Okay, we're back to talk about the song that when you hear it, you just got to sing along. It's 241. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner wtmj that 's this is semi charmed life uh, by producer Gru. this is the song that you have to sing along to okay and we 've gotten rid of eric Buzzkill uh, Billstead i mean he 's been bringing he 's been bringing us bad news all all afternoon, but now traffic 's getting a little bit better okay, the song that you have to sing along to we are live streaming this on Facebook live you go to facebook dot com backslash six twenty WTMJ, let 's see on our text line uh bruce springsteen born to run yeah i sing born to run a lot uh let's see a couple people are saying david allen Coe, um who i i talked about how I, I i'm listening to him matter of fact i was doing this today how about you don't have to call me darling darling you never even have to call me by my name yes i do sing to that i was singing to that this morning one of the greatest country songs ever written by the late great um steve miller okay anna in whitefish bay anna 620 wtmj good afternoon
1: I Love You, Just
0: the Way You Are by Billy Joel. You know, Billy Joel, especially the early stuff, he has so many songs like that, like scenes from an Italian restaurant and The Stranger, all those. I I find myself singing off-key to a lot of them. (laughs)
1: I, and I meant that
0: for you, Jeff. I love you just the way you are. Oh, you're a sweetie, Anna. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. She loves me just the way I am. I love that. 414-799-1620. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Don in Sockville. Don, good afternoon. Hey,
4: Jeff. Hi, Don. Good to hear your voice. And I want to say that. Bye-bye, <laughs> Miss American Pie.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, thank, thanks. Now, let me just mention this here. There was not a requirement that you sing the song. You just have to tell me the song. But I, I guess, okay, American Pie, Don McLean, that is another one that I find myself singing along to as well. 414, oh, and of course... Anything Jimmy Buffett related as well. But it's, um, I, I just, I find myself singing in the car. So if you're driving past me, maybe you think I'm talking on a Bluetooth and a cell phone. No, I'm singing along with whatever the tunes are. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Roger in Baraboo. Hi, Roger. Good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff.
2: I'm just driving back from uh, bull hunting and uh, coming back from walking, but I uh, heard it this morning again, especially this time of the year. Gordon Lightfoot, The Wreck
0: of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Um, Yes, that would be another one, right? And and of course, that's one. Yes, Gordon Lightfoot. I mean, his The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald and Sundown. Um, that that's the other one that I end up singing a lot. Uh, let's see, John in Bayview sends me a text: Meatloaf's Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Yes, I uh, sing that as well. Gru likes that one, huh? Okay, Donna and Hartland says she will sing any song, any song by Styx. Stephen West Bend says anything from Michael Jackson. I don't know the words to a lot of the Michael Jackson stuff. Here, Margaritaville. All right, there's one. Uh, boy, it's so many just... Good ideas. Um, again, lots for David Allen Coe. Um, we've got to see there's David Allen Co. supporters out there. 414-799-1620. Let's see. Let's talk to uh, dot, 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 dot. Kelly in Elkhorn. Hi, Kelly. You're on WTMJ.
3: Hey, Jeff. How you doing?
0: Good, good.
4: Hey, I was trying to think of how many girls I serenaded with Boston songs when I was younger. <laughs> and now every time I hear one, I think of particular girls in mind. I think, God, I'm glad... I'm glad I didn't stick with it because they all turned up to be a little bit not well.
0: <laughs> uh, do, do you think it was the? I've got to ask you here, Kelly. Do you think it was the girls, or do you think maybe it was was you? Maybe it was kind of your choices and stuff. You yeah, know, maybe a mixture of both. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very. That, that, that's it. I'm. I'm. I'm just saying that. You know, what do they always say? I mean, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and being surprised that the results aren't different. So if, if for example. There is a certain type of woman that you would be attracted to, and it never worked out, and you kept going back to that same type of woman. Whose problem might that be? I'm just asking. Tom in Watertown. Tom, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tom. Uh, Bob Seeger and Night Moves. Uh you know, I'm so glad you called. That's uh, there, there's a lot of Bob Seger tunes, you, bet. you know, fit into that. It, you know, old-time rock and roll and stuff. And it's funny you should mention it because I was just I was listening to um, pretty much my entire collection of Bob Seger the other day driving around and I think Night Moves is one of his very, very best. I love that song. That takes me back to a certain place and time in my life and I just me absolutely too. love it. Me too. Yeah no, thank uh, Bob Seger. But I mean, if, if you're into rock and roll, there's there's so much, so much great rock and roll from Bob Seger. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Ryan in Silver Lake. Ryan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
6: Good afternoon. Yeah, I would say the song has to be Sweet Caroline. It doesn't <laughs> matter if you're at a football game, a sporting event, a wedding. That song gets the whole crowd
5: going.
0: Okay, so if you're driving along, you're driving along in your car, you're listening to the radio, Neil Diamond or whoever else comes on doing Sweet Caroline, are you singing along with it? Oh, I'm
6: getting
0: after it. I'm after <laughs> There you go. Well, see, that, they, they, and, and, of course, that's right. That, I mean, Sweet Caroline has now taken on a life of its own on Facebook Live. Um, John, he, he channels Herman's Hermits. Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely daughter. Huh. Uh, Douglas on our Facebook Live says a Ring of Fire, Johnny Cash. I mean, maybe there's other people who have done it, but I just I always think of Johnny Cash when we do that. Let's talk to Renee in New Berlin. Hi, Renee, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, <laughs> mine is Whole Out of Love by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I'm drumming and singing my heart out <laughs> when I hear that song. So you're,
0: you're you're not just singing; you are completely and totally rocking out to that, huh? Oh
1: yeah, and then I'm the total. Other Spectrum, anything by Elvis
0: Presley, I love to sing too. Well, there, I mean, thank, thank, that, that's it. Um, yeah, I, I was an Elvis guy, too. Let's talk to Gene in Germantown. Gene, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hello. Hi.
2: Hi. How about it? How about Alan Jackson, 5 o'clock somewhere?
0: Um, you know, Jimmy Buffett describes that as, as his best 17 seconds ever, because he got called up to, to like to sing on that song for like 17 yep. seconds, and he made a fortune out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is It is. It is always 5 o'clock somewhere, isn't it? Particularly at 2.51 on a Friday afternoon. Absolutely. No, that's, uh, yeah, and again, Alan Jackson, you know, lots of, oh, here, here's a good one. Tom in Lisbon. Tom, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Yeah, it seems like nobody's got country, but I got one, and I got the deep voice of Toby Keith, and I love his bar. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> see, see, you wanted to break into song there, didn't you? You were really, exactly. you were really tempted. I got thanks, sir. I, I appreciate the, I appreciate the restraint. Yeah, Toby Keith, um, Toby Keith does a lot of the, the great sing along things as well. Also, um, Kenny Chesney on serious. Kenny Chesney has his own, like no shirts, uh, no shoes radio, and I, I find myself when, when I'm kind of in the mood when I'm, when I'm when I'm for whatever reason if I'm not listening to radio Margaritaville, sometimes I'll go over to the Kenny Chesney channel and well as well. There's a lot of good stuff there. PJ in West Dallas, PJ, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Van Morrison's Gloria. Oh.
0: You know, um, I am a huge Van Morrison fan. I, I would whether it's brown eyed girl or into the mystic or Gloria or a couple others, you know, I just, I, I, and you know, everybody, everybody doesn't realize this guy's an Irish singer. Everybody thinks, Oh, this is this classic like blues guy. He's from Ireland for goodness sake.
5: Ireland.
3: Right, yeah. right. But when he came out with the GL, yeah. Yep. Right, nope. Sure.
0: I no, it's, I, thanks. Right. No, you're, you're singing along. I, um, I get it. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, Roger in Watertown. Roger, you're on 620
2: WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How about the Beach Boys and the Little Deuce Coop?
0: Oh, well, uh, anything Beach Boys. I, I mean, help me, Rhonda, Little Deuce Coop, um, you know, you, you name it. Any, anything Beach Boys is, is definitely just super. Now, thanks to the guy, but Little Deuce Coop would be one. Elaine in Milwaukee. Elaine, you're on WTMJ.
1: Hi, Jeff. Hi, Elaine. Um, got to be the eagles hotel california
0: <laughs> okay i see that that's a kind of tough song to sing can you do that can you do that in, oh. can you do it in key and stuff
1: uh yes i can <laughs> uh, i'm not going to do it now for okay. you but okay. you turn it up loud everybody's in key
0: well let see there you there you go i'm uh is that your favorite eagles tune
1: of all time,
0: yes. Yeah, it's um,
1: it's a classic. It never gets old. If I had to listen to one song the rest of my life, it would be that one. That's
0: your Desert Island Tune, huh? That's Hotel my California. Desert Island Song. Yeah, it's um, the Thanks for Call. I it, it it's that's really an interesting one. I mean, it's an intricate type of song, and and I love the Eagles. I don't know. I'd really have to think about what my favorite Eagles tune is. There's so many good ones. Steve in Richfield. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon howdy jeff how I, you doing i am well thank you i love but these guys
1: nice to have you on in the afternoons like this
0: amen yeah. <laughs> the okay. congregation amen. says amen thank you
1: all right okay hey um queen and radio gaga i i don't know i just think <laughs> that's a fun one and I, I i'm sure i hope you know that one. Oh,
0: i oh i i know that okay. what's the um i i just well there, there's there's so many queen songs that i find again that i end up singing oh, as well no it's um, right, uh, I mean all the Freddie Mercury stuff. No, thanks. Radio Gaga. See, I am you. I hope you appreciate my restraint, because uh, these are all like great, great sort of tunes that are out there. And you know, I'm I am I am tempted to break into song, but again, there is a reason why I make my living doing spoken emphasis, spoken word radio. Um, let's talk to Dan in Milwaukee. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
6: How about "Knights in White Satin" for life of me? I cannot remember. <laughs>
0: moody blues. Was. No, moody blues. Moody Blues. I love it. It's really good moody, The only uh, thanks to him, the, 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 Dan. The, the reason I know "Knights in White Satin" by the Moody Blues is my. It, I went to Nicolay High School in Glendale. We were the Nicolay Knights, and one year for prom, that was the theme. It was knights, except K N I G H T S. Okay, that's what passed for clever back when I was in high school. It was knights in white satin, and that's how it worked out. Okay. I could go on forever, but I can't because John McCure is on the road with Wisconsin's Afternoon News. I have to take a break. Um, We've been live streaming on this on Facebook. You can go back and watch it, and you continue to participate. Thanks for everybody participating. Pop Culture Corner comes back same time next Friday afternoon. It's 2.56.